This is the Resilient Disciples podcast powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thanks for listening. This is episode three, and today you'll hear a conversation I had with Awana's vice president of partner solutions, Chris Marchand. As you may have figured out by now, I'm interviewing all the authors of the book, Resilient, Child Discipleship and the Fearless Future of the Church. Because as we begin this podcast, I want you all to see how genuine these folks are about their desires to equip and engage others in this conversation around child discipleship. The conversation with Chris was highly practical, but for those of you who don't yet have the book, listen to the end to hear his key takeaway and what resilient means to him. I'm personally excited because this is a chance, you know, I just met you like 10 days ago, basically. (laughs) So a lot of the questions I'm going to be asking are super genuine because I'm just looking to get to know you. Um, But we're so excited about what Awana is doing with Resilient Disciples. We're going to talk about Bright. We're going to talk about uh, Belong, Believe, Become. We're going to be throwing a lot of acronyms at you listeners. So uh, listen to this on three quarters time just to make sure you catch every detail and so that Chris and I sound a little funny. But (laughs) I want to jump right in. You know, Chris, you have, how long have you been at Awana? I've been in Awana for six years. Okay. So how did God bring you to Awana? Let's just start there. Oh, wow. So yeah, six years ago. Um, so I talk about it in a couple of different ways. Six years ago, I made the shift from the front line to the supply line um, okay. in, in a lot of ways. Uh, prior to that, I had been in children's and youth ministry for well over a decade, uh, very much an activist practitioner. So I was very much an advocate for just what we do in children's and youth ministry, but I was there every Sunday, every midweek. Um, you know, we talk about it, how, you know, as a youth pastor, but I was also the janitor. I was also the parking <laughs> attendant. I was also the, I mean, you just fill so many different roles yeah. inside of that space. But, um, uh, it was about six years ago that, um, I felt God, uh, calling my wife and I out to the Midwest and, uh, we did what every normal people or normal couple would do. And that, uh, we just packed up a truck and moved out to Chicago. There you so go. we, we had some in-laws that we, you know, lived with temporarily, but we had no job, we had no direction. We had a prayer we had yeah. crazy faith and the affirmation of all of our friends and saying, yeah, you need to, you just need to be out in Chicago. I don't, I don't you know, there's nothing, um, <laughs> there's nothing stranger than driving, you know, 80 in Indiana and not knowing why you're going West. <laughs> and then we find ourselves out here, you know, six years ago. And then, um, God just, uh, through through ways that only he could orchestrate, um, gave us an opportunity to come to Awana. And uh, I started off as a uh, curriculum developer in the youth ministry space and have just had, uh, and so grateful for just the tremendous opportunities that I've had to just impact and lead and influence so many kids and leaders. That's awesome. So I, I heard once somebody say, you know, because I assume you had kids at this point too. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, you know, yeah. as dangerous and as uncomfortable as it is, <laughs> nothing is more dangerous than staying when God told you to move. Yeah. And you guys moved. That's awesome. That's a great, that's yep. a great story of faith. So your day-to-day kind of scope, like what are you overseeing in curriculum? Like what are you, uh, what does a typical day in Chris's life look like right now? Oh, wow. So I oversee all of our curriculum products, resources, and programming from two to 18 and leader development. So that's a huge that's swath. A, yeah. That's, that's a, like four or five Chris's jobs. That's, that's a continent <laughs> of, <laughs> of, uh, of responsibility. I mean, for, for me personally, so I lead a fantastic, uh, just crazy, ridiculously talented group of individuals. It's, it's design managers, content developers, um, you know, project management, proofing, you know, the whole copy editing process, 
Uh, but then high level stuff. So 60,000 feet to the heavens and then taking it 60,000 feet to the box that ends up at your front door. I love that. And so that's We're talking a lot about the box here. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's, that's a little bit of my sort of spectrum. And inside of that is the, you know, some odd, you know, 1300 or so products that we curate in the Iwana universe and making sure that all of those are, you know, just well-maintained. And so what I'm hearing is that Marvel ain't got nothing on you. Yeah, yeah. At this yeah. point, no, no, they don't. Uh, Star Wars, maybe, but you know, <laughs> okay, no, you not go. Marvel. Um, all right. So one of the things that I think is really interesting from coming from really on the outside looking in is every person I've interacted with at Awana vitally believes in the importance of getting this right, mm. the importance of getting children's ministry right, the importance of of this you know this moment that we're in right sure. now as a church, as a culture, etc. And I think it stands kind of in contrast to sort of a stereotypical attitude towards kids ministry. Like, oh, that's just kids, right? Like, oh, that's, you know, that's happening down the hall. That's happening downstairs. Mm -hmm. It's glorified childcare. How did God avoid that stereotype to exist in you? Because you are someone who's so passionate about it. Yeah, I, w- I would say for, for me and my story, I was led there through teenagers. Okay. Um, so, you know, I went to undergrad, got my degree in youth ministry. Mm-hmm. I started out in student ministry in my just, you know, ministry, um, you know, in my ministry calling. But um, uh, my I remember this was like my second church I was ever at. Um we we didn't have enough leaders to be able to run an effective ministry. And so we would do student ministry, but then I would notice I noticed that none of those students were in what we call big church. So, okay. Um, and then one day I ended up going looking for them. Well, they were down the hall leading kids ministry. Oh, and wow. so, and I very much uh, wanted to embrace just the mentality of like the shepherd just needs to smell like the sheep. So the shepherd smells like the sheep by being where the sheep are. So I just ended up wandering into the room that they were all in and joining them. But they really, I, I, students opened my eyes to just the incredible impact that you can have on a child's life. I love that. Um, because seeing what they did with like zero training, uh-huh. zero degrees, zero, you know, no bona fides whatsoever, <laughs> you know, but they had a willingness, yeah. an, an openness. They genuinely cared about these kids yeah. and they dove right in and there was no scorecard for them to put themselves against other than, you know, I, I, I love them and want to love them the way that my savior does. So I love that. And I just jumped right into it and found that, you know, I, I just, I love being with kids. I, I love being able to have some of those uh, weird uh, sideways theological conversations <laughs> with kids. Um, I love being there for the kid that's honestly having a hard time because mom and dad, you know, drop them off and, you know, they're having that separation anxiety. I sure. just, I love being able to step in and be with that, that kid because there's just an incredible need there at that moment. Yeah. But what makes what we're talking about different than what is currently out in the, you know, in the landscape of kids ministry right now? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, we, we have the opportunity to want to, to, to travel around and be a part of a lot of different conversations out there. I think one of the most significant things that we're doing um, inside of the, the resilient book and the, and the work is that, um, you know, we're not, we're not talking about just improving a system that already exists. Mm. So those that get to impact the future, it's, it's who, whoever gets to control the menus, right? Yeah. I mean, we live our lives so much associated to menus. Like you, you, you made a thousand choices today based off of like a gazillion people who chose and pre-selected things for you. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that we see is that we're, you know, we're not about necessarily, uh, um, trying to make pre-existing systems better. Mm-hmm. but really starting with what does the child need? So like in those phases of life in those just different um, spaces, um, what is, what is the heart of a child really need? What is their discipleship need? Um, how do we, 
how do we, again, fill that toolbox with the things that are necessary to make sure that they have everything at the different stages of life? Um, because just being a parent myself, one of the things that I see is that, you know, my, my, my daughter is experiencing things at a hyper velocity to what, to what I experienced them when I was her age. She is so much far further ahead culturally, academically, you know, just so many, so many things that she's experiencing, but I'm like, man, we're, we're like three or four years off from when that needed to be. Mm. So it just, uh, do you have a more, like a more specific example? Yeah. So I, I think even just um, the relate like relational dynamics that are inside of what she experienced, like we do playground drama at our dinner table. Like okay. that's what we unpack. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you, un- what you guys unpack at your dinner table, but right. we sit down like, uh, and my wife and I, we did not realize just how much drama there was in like the first second grade playground. Yeah. Like the, the, there were alliances forming allegiance. Like it was just, it was, it was the, it was like almost like an embodiment of the hunger games. It was just weird. Um, but, but I think that just socially they're just dealing with things because, uh, the, the reality is these kids are growing up in spaces where there's that hyper velocity, that hyper penetration of data, uh, of content inside of the local home. Like, so this is how I break it down for, 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 you know, kids, no, not kids, let's say people like me from the, from, from the eighties is we grew up with Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. Like we had one episode at a time and you had a week to digest that. Sure. So is Voltron gonna, you know, defend the universe or not like to be continued next week. And you had to wait an entire week to figure that out. Now these, now they're sitting down and like my, my daughter, you know, binged watch six episodes of, you know, spirit on Netflix. And it's a great show, by it, the way. it is such a good show. Yeah. It, it is one that my, and my dadness, I, I sit down. I think I'm more into that show than she oh, is. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. But next time you come back, we'll just talk <laughs> we'll just, about spirit. We're just going to talk about break spirit. down. Yeah. hundred percent. We'll do it episode by episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, is that she's the thing though. I sat down with her and I said, you know, cause I missed an episode. I said, what's going on in the story? She says, dad, I don't know. Mm. I'm like, what, why don't you know? She goes, dad, I just watched the show. So there's this consumption, this rapid consumption of content, but they don't, they don't have, they're, they're not slowing down enough to be able to do the comprehension work. Yeah. So essentially these kids are stepping out into environments with a lot of skills, with tools that they've never been trained to use. So let's get real. Let's get down to that box to use your, your earlier metaphor. Um, what does a resilient child disciple look like? So we've, we've uh, structured this framework to be able to understand that, you know, as we look in the, both uh, the old and new Testament, you know, we, what, what did Jesus do? How, mm-hmm. how did he equip his disciples? And we structured it around a philosophy of belong, believe, become. Okay. So we call it the three B's here at Awana. Um, but really it's this, this matrix of, of three intersections of, of, uh, of, of, of a philosophy that help frame in the beginnings of a conversation. Okay. Um, so for all of us, I mean, when I stepped into the church, like, you know, I was a Christmas mother's day and Easter kid growing up, like we went to church cause that's what mom wanted to do. Sure. And dad just kind of came along to make mom happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, that first step wasn't for me, wasn't believe. They weren't like, okay, all right, do you believe all this? And then you can come into the building. It mm-hmm. was, it was no, it was relational for me. I was an Awana kid. So that's how I came to faith in Christ was through Awana. But Chris was the, we're going to get Chris to memorize one verse a year, kid. Like <laughs> citation for me wasn't even, that, that's not even a thing. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, sure. so yeah. for the men in my church, they, they surrounded me because. Awana serves all kinds. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Um, and so they just gave me a space to belong mm-hmm. and I belong there, um, with, with 
unconditional love uh, with, with no with no prescriptions, with just an opportunity to be part of something. Mm. Um, and that became the, 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 the incubator for just not only my theological development from a, from a child to a student to an adult. One of the things that I like about belong in particular is yes, there's obviously all this biblical backing to it, but that is like, that is a human thing. That is not like, that is just a thing thing. That is not necessarily a believer thing. Like that need to belong and to be able to do that in the context that you were able to do that is, is part of the reason why it's still paying dividends in your life. What does it look like for someone to go from belonging to believing? So I, I like, I like how, you know, John talks about this in his gospel. So I believe it's John 20 verses uh, 30 and 31, but you know, these things are written so that you, what may, year did you, you memorize that you, verse? You, well, <laughs> what year? Probably. Oh my gosh. That one, <laughs> that, that one's, that one's definitely a, uh, an undergrad verse okay. um, that we had to memorize for our classes. Sure. Um, which nothing scarier than not being good at Awana and then stepping into Christian university <laughs> and going, Oh my gosh, we're going to memorize we're for grades. Yeah. Like, Where's, where's the remedial group on that? Uh-huh. Where's the study group on that? That is so. a good benefit of coming to the faith in college. <laughs> Just saying, I had none of that baggage. None of it. Um, but no, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is a Christ, the son of the living God. And mm. so um, after that relational engagement, that relational connection is made, um, part of what, part of at least what I talk about in the book is um, um, I had a group of boys who, and, and I would do this consistently with my small group boys, but um, I would pull them together and go, you guys know why we're here, right? Like, you, you know, trust me, there's, if, if you're looking for fun and engaging, there's probably other things that are more up your alley sure. in a place, but like, why are you here? Like, why, what are, what is the point? What's the why behind why we're gathered together mm. and why we're here? And I would just be very clear and direct with them as to say, I'm going to do everything in my power that God has equipped me to do to help you become disciples of Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, that means that what God is, what God says is more important than what I know. Yeah. And so stepping into your life, um, part of that is bringing his word, um, of, of bringing you to a place of just doing what the gospel writers did, which is here's all the evidence. But I love how Jesus puts this in, um, in Matthew because he, he approaches his disciples and he goes, uh, who's everybody say that I am? Like, and some say, oh, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Like, you know, but then he, but, but who do you say that I am? Yeah. That's the question. And so I think that's, that's really gets to the center core of believe um, is who do you say that I am? Yeah. Based on all the evidence. Because, you know, you, you can't live vicariously through anybody else's faith. Mm-hmm. You got to come to a decision. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. We are so excited to introduce Bright a new digital weekend curriculum for kids and students created by and for children's ministry leaders. Bright is biblically based and jam-packed with easy-to-use lessons, helpful training videos, digital media, large and small group resources, and so much more. Bright is the perfect solution to pair the gospel truth with engaging content for children and leaders alike. Our prayer is that Bright would help kids navigate real-life challenges. We believe the future of the church is Bright. Download a free four-week sample of the Bright curriculum today at resilientdisciples.com. That's, I think that's great to, you know, I think better unpack what, what it means to believe. Because I think, you know, uh, churches love acronyms. I think people can sometimes kind of tune some of that out, particularly people who may come... Uh, be new to the faith or kind of outside feel like, Oh, that's kind of churchy language. Yep. And one of the things that I really hope to accomplish with this podcast and why I'm so glad that you're listening 
uh, is to show the why, to show that like this is not something where we just, you know, you guys wrote three Bs and went, yeah, that sounds good, right? That you, yeah. it's something that you guys take very seriously. Absolutely. Through the entire organization and one is a, a global organization. Yeah. And, and to some degree also just know, I mean, this is, this is nothing new for us as an organization. This goes way all the way back in our history. I mean, this is, this is stuff that our founder did. Mm-hmm. Um, even go back into Christianity. Like this is like, we're not necessarily developing anything new we're, we're being faithful to what already is yeah and all modeling so much off of just how jesus did discipleship mm-hmm. um you know just i mean we haven't talked so much about the about the becoming piece but i mean i just i look at his restorative work of of just being on the shoreline there with peter mm-hmm. and how peter just failed miserably i mean he just slam dunked that thing into the you know if, if anybody screwed up, it was Peter. Mm-hmm. And yet here Jesus comes along in an incredible restorative moment and just says, you know, you, you know, if you love me, feed my sheep. Like, and, and he doesn't take him down. He's not like, oh gosh, Peter, you were so disappointing. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he knows who he's going to become. Yeah. And each one of those kids and your ministry right now is going to become something. Um, what are they going to become? And how can you and how can the church surround that child and influence them? So that they don't get swept up in the culture, but so that they can stand, you know, firm in their belief in who Jesus Christ is, stand shoulder to shoulder with those who belong just like they belong and become everything that they need to be in the center of God's will at the right time. That's so good, man. Yeah, I love that. And it's a great transition to Bright. So I want to talk about Bright. Okay. And I also want to just say part of what drew me to Awana is... Uh, I started to feel this intense anxiety over raising my kids to know and love Jesus. Yeah. You know, raising kids as a part of the church each and every week. That is not something I experienced as a, as a child. And I got so anxious about what that would mean and how to do that well with my folks, because I came from a theater background where most of the people that I saw who did that are no longer part of the church. Mm. And I think bright is positioned uniquely in the kids ministry space to be able to prevent that story. So, Let's talk about bright. Why bright? Why now? Um, what made you guys go this? We need we need a new Sunday curriculum. Yeah. So I, I think a couple couple of things. Um, I'll talk about some of the shifting landscapes that we are, we're experiencing at Awana, um, and that is the, the experiencing. So I talked about you know thirty thousand feet to the ground mm-hmm. and talk about cardboard box. I mean the the reality is is very you know, very few things are being delivered in in boxes. I mean unless you're Amazon. Yeah. Um, and those you just see the trucks going through the neighborhood and it's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but for majority of our people um, who serve in the children's ministry space, they, they, they're looking for it being div- delivered digitally, um, getting all that content and resources, but not waiting for, I mean, I knew how infuriating this was just for me back in my children's ministry days that, you know, we buy a curriculum, it had one book in it and that book had to be passed around. So it could be photocopied by everybody. So right. it's like, who had the book this week? I mean, it was right. just, it was a, it was an endless rat race that just didn't need to be until someone just said, Hey, I'm just going to photocopy the whole book. And, but being able to deliver all that digitally and for us to step into that space, I think is very timely, but even more so let's, let's dig into the content a little bit, the content structure of a uh, of bright, because it's, it's not just another Sunday morning children's ministry space that, uh, you know, uh, you know, we, we have, a, we have, a, in my family, we go good talk, you know, <laughs> when, and it's usually to, to talk about something that just kind of fell flat yep. in our family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we don't want that. Mm-hmm. We don't want that in the children's ministry space. Um, I also want to help elevate parents to have a better conversation than, um, 
I mean, one of the primary metrics of children's ministry right now, I mean, it doesn't matter where you go. You can go to any state. You can go to any church. When a parent picks up their child, what's the first question they're going to ask? Did you have fun? Yeah. It's not a bad question. It's just not the right question. Yeah. <laughs> um, we want them to That's have great. fun and engagement. But what we want more than anything is for them to engage with their child around the content. Um, but figuring out a way to do that so that they have tools that are in their, you know, on their smartphone that mm-hmm. are in their pocket. So, so I think that, uh, bright helps us to not only elevate some of the conversations in the family, um, but also for those kids that don't maybe have that family connection. Um, we're able to engage them, you know, in the, in the weekend space, um, by equipping them with uh, biblical storytelling um, by equipping them with timely and see how those Bible stories connect to real cultural issues that they're facing today. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I agree with Solomon. There's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, but one of the things we see as, as you know, history marches on is that we're, we're kind of all dealing with the same stuff. It just looks different mm-hmm. um, because of just the different cultural layers that are superimposed on top of it. Um, you know, they had technology back then, but it didn't look like technology like it looks like today. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just it's, so I think Bright gives us a space to uh, engage with biblically sound curriculum around culturally applicable moments so that we can kind of merge these two things together around zero assumptions. Also, mind you, too, the, the kids that are walking into church today, they, they didn't grow up in the church for the most part. Right. A very small percentage of them are actually ones that are, you know, born and bred inside of the church family. A lot of kids are walking in today and they're like, Jesus who? Like, what's right. the big deal about Jesus? Why is he so important? Mm-hmm. Um, why even talk about him? Like, why, why, you know, why are you guys doing Christmas services around, you know, this, this little baby born in a manger? Like, someone please explain this to me because yeah. otherwise it's just weird. Yeah. Um, so why do something new mm-hmm. and bright rather than just radically update the club structure? Yeah, because I, I think, um, uh, so I would say the phrase, uh, you know, what got you here isn't going to be what gets you there. Mm. Um, That's great. So, and and this comes from the book Canoeing the Mountain, which is just a fantastic leadership book about the, just the expedition of uh, Lewis and Clark. And, you know, they got on the other side of the Mississippi and, you know, they saw the Rocky Mountains and they were like, you know, okay, first of all, there's Rocky Mountains there. And I thought, you know, when I get on the other side of the Mississippi that, you know, there'd just be this great passage. This is a straight, you know, lane all the way to the Pacific. Yeah. Um, but then when they got to the foot of the mountain, they realized that their canoes were useless. Yeah. Um, and they, they turned them into all kinds of things. I mean, they probably, you know, they used them for firewood, you know, so, so pretty much like the thing that got you to this certain point, isn't going to be the thing that's going to get you to the future. I love that. And I think that, so nothing wrong. I, I, I'm a strong advocate for our Awana clubs material. I mean, yeah, I'm, I mean a, you're, I'm a byproduct. You oversee it. it. <laughs> I, yeah. Oversee, if I didn't, it's just, okay, let's just hang this thing up and we, we're, we can be done. Yeah. Um, but a strong advocate for it, but um, it was, it was created again, right so at a different time in history mm-hmm. around a different set of um, just, you know, pedag- pedagogical principles mm-hmm. and, and, and also just theological principles mm-hmm. at the, at that time. Um, so it served to, to meet a certain set of needs that the, even the culture had at that time. As we see the culture shift and change around us, we see that these kids, they, they just, they have different needs. Mm-hmm. We need to have a curriculum that, that, that's also adaptable. That, that's mm. also that, that isn't static in its approach. And I think that's one of the things that our Awana clubs curriculum does is that it, it was made for like for, for this time, but because it's print, because it's, you know, and because updating it is just so, you know, cumbersome. And mm-hmm. I would also say to some degree expensive, Sure, the things that we can do with digital 
make it more rapid, more timely, more we can be responsive to, to the needs of the people and the partners that we serve rather than, hey, see you in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Right. Uh, yeah, and I think that's important because I think people may hear about Bright or hear about some of the stuff that Awana is doing and be like, but I love Awana. Like, I have this midweek thing and it's going yeah. awesome and these kids are, like, it's going great. And to hear that for that person in particular, this is an added resource. And for many people who have been asking and been, you know, breaking down the doors of this place, be like, give me some something to do on Sundays, totally. that this is a Wana's answer to that. Yeah, and I, and I think we see also two different groups of kids coming in those spaces as well. Talk more um, about that. I think more in the, you know, so just seeing this even in my own childhood, like the, the super diehard, you know, the, the elite, the, the, the commando units of, of, um, of discipleship. Like yeah. these were the kids that went into Awana. I mean, these were the Awana kids. I mean, these were hardcore in terms of their just approach to just decide, like they were really in it. And while the kids on Sunday morning were just kind of like, Hey, I'm here. Mom and dad pushed me out of the car while it was rolling. <laughs> and I'm like, I know nothing but I'm here. Yeah. Like now, like what, what are we doing here? What, mm. what, what's, what journey are we on? What, what's the path forward? And so I, I think that, I think you're right. I think both are fantastic. Both of them provide fantastic material. Um, I, I do think that there's opportunity to just put more into a leader's toolbox so that like, cause you know, we say this all the time around Awana, like the church is in the driver's seat. Yep. Like Awana is not going to step into your church and, tell you how to do it. Yep. Like you're, you got to wake up and, and, and you, you, I mean, you're holding the line, you're on the front lines of doing ministry. Um, and we, we stand ready to help equip and serve and train you to do that. And we want to just make sure that you have everything in your toolbox, um, and then equip you to be able to plug the right solution into the right kid at the right moment, um, to, for, for God and his glory. I love that. We're going to bring the plane to land here. Uh, but I'm, want to hit a couple things before we go. Sure. So, uh, what do you want? If you could best summarize, like, what do you want somebody who picks up this book? What do you want them to take away from it? I, you know, I, it takes an incredible amount of courage to, to, to wake up on a Sunday morning and get in front of whether it's 10 or hundreds of little people mm-hmm. and, I mean, we, we joke all the time that, you know, the things that a, that a children's pastor has to do that a senior pastor doesn't have to do is very, just, it's just very interesting. I love that. Um, it's yeah. like we have, we, we got to have to skit and a craft and a, <laughs> someone has to disappear and reappear and, yep. you know, just, it's just, we have to have diapers have in that have, corner yeah, and we have to, yeah. Goldfish crackers over there. Like, you know, and, 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 and well, all the gluten free goldfish crackers. You know, yeah. yeah. The, the six or nine seater stroller is what, you know what I'm saying? Like the ones that go down Manhattan because all the, anyway, yeah. but you know, there's so much that they have to do and there's so, it takes so much courage as a children's ministry leader to step into that space. And then also just even, coherently share something that that makes an impact in a child's life and Mm. equips them and engages them with those three B's of belong, believe, and become. I guess the, 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 when I think about the book and just the impact that it's going to make is that that same courage that resides in each one of those leaders is, is courage enough to take this book and put it in your senior pastor's office, put it in your elder board's office and say, Hey, can we have a brand new conversation? Yeah. Because the things that we've been doing or that we've been even entrusted with or, you know, just just even that we've inherited down throughout the years, they may not necessarily be the right things. It's just what we got. 
Yeah. So let's have a fresh conversation around this. Are we really preparing these kids to step out in the face of an overwhelming, hostile, or indifferent culture and continue to make an impact with the gospel of Jesus Christ? How can we do that? Can we do it better? What can we improve? What are some of those things, like just those canoes at the mountain that we just got to say, look, we got to leave this behind because you can't take a canoe up a mountain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if you get nothing else from this If you get podcast. nothing else, that, yeah. that, that right there, we're done. <laughs> but, but I think that's, that's my hope and prayer for, for this book is that we can start some fresh conversations um, because the rubber meets the road, the, re, the, the, you know, the big decisions, the big things that are, that are happening inside children's ministry, they're, they're not, they're not happening in boardrooms and offices and, and organizations like ours. They're, they're happening in, the, in, in that one meeting room where y'all gather each week and, and do the, the planning, the equipping and the training and, yeah. and making decisions that are actually impacting kids' lives in real time. Yeah. And we want to just gift you this, this book, this message to take into that space and, Again, that same courage that allows you to do that every week. I, I just I hope that this book might cause you to be just courageous enough to, to plop it in some other places. That's and, so good. And kickstart a conversation that needs to be had. Thanks again to Chris for the practical wisdom. And thank you for listening. If you're still here, I either owe you some money or you believe that child discipleship is crucial. And either way, I appreciate you listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Five-star reviews are my favorite, but however you respond, the point of this podcast is to start a conversation so we can best help shape the future of the church. I believe God wants all of us to be engaged in that work. Before you go, I have one more thing. I asked Chris what resilient means to him, and no disrespect to my other guests, but I think he's given the best answer yet. So once again, here's Chris Marchand. Well, first of all, I think... Anytime you use the word youth pastor, you should think resilient. <laughs> um, anytime, like anytime you use the word children's director, you should think resilient. Um, you know, because here's for, from my experience. Um, you know, without getting you know too personal. Yeah. In that in that space, but uh, we'll save that for episode three. We'll say yeah, we'll save it for later. Yeah. Um, but I I think. I think when I think of that word resilient, I, I think of all of the, the men and women um, who are getting up every morning on a Sunday, usually early. They're the first ones to unlock the church. Um, they're they're just they're they're faced with everything that they don't know. Like they're 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 the instant reaction force of the of the ministry world. Uh, because they don't know what they're getting. Some they don't even know how many kids that they're getting. But they're they're planning and they're programming and they're they're trying to put something together uh, that can meet kids where they're at and invite them into that conversation uh, to do some really fantastic and great work. And I just the fact that they get up every day, even when they get knocked down, even when their budget falls through, e- even when they opened up their email inbox and there's 20 individuals who are graciously ready to share with them how they could do their job better. Um, (laughs) You you know, the fact that they continue to do that and not quit. Yeah. Like that's what I think of when I think of resilient. Um, It's just that that spirit of I'm not going to get up because I serve or I'm not going to give up because I serve the king. Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Go to resilientdisciples.com for more information and many more of these conversations. Special thanks to Kevin Orris and Phil Wallace for making this conversation happen. I'm Ross Cochran, and we'll talk again soon.